Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on Auto Line this week, where the discussion's all going to be about what's the car of the year? I'm part of the North American Car of the Year jury. There's about 48 of us throughout the United States and Canada, and I've invited two of my juror colleagues to join me today for this discussion. First up is Matt DeLorenzo with Kelly Blue Book and Larry Webster with Road and Track. Great to have the both of you here. Good seeing you, John. So, Larry, why don't we start out? We started out with a long list of cars. I really struggled with that first ballot. I don't know if you guys did, but, you know, everything from that new Infiniti to the Jaguar F-Type to the, even the Kia Cadenza, I mean, just the, the breadth of quality automobiles made it very difficult to widow them down. And what we should explain to uh, the audience, we 48 jurors take a vote from the, the big list and whittle that down to about a dozen cars and a dozen trucks, and then we have a vote on... What are the three finalists? And we'll get into that a, a bit. But, Matt, did you have the same problem yeah, whittling I mean, this list down? It was high-quality cars. And I think uh, the, the, the list was so diffuse. I mean, you had everything from, like, the, the Mazda 3. You had a great full-size car in the Impala. You had uh, the Corvette. You had, you know, F-Type. You had sports cars. You had just a wide range of vehicles, all high-quality, great designs, and uh, competitive pricing, too. I mean, when you look at where a lot of these cars were, it, it made the decision really tough. Larry, what are some of the things that go through your mind as you try to evaluate, okay, which is the best of the best here? Well, uh, what I've noticed over the past decade is a lot of the attributes used to separate automobiles, zero to 60 time, braking, functionality, price, even quality, it's just converging, right? I mean, there's very little difference in those critical attributes now. That, that's like the price of getting into the business. So I look at uh, more of the experience that the automobile provides. What's it like to drive? You know, do you look at it or see something special or some flair in the design? Because really, you don't have to drive a stinker anymore or something boring. I mean, there's so much interesting stuff out there. So I look for that emotional connection with the automobile because I think that's what customers do now. Matt, same thing. What do you go through in your mind as you evaluate? I also look at the cars that it's competing with, and that's one of our criteria. And, and again, it's gotten to be very... Uh, strong in terms of the level of quality, um, especially the interiors, are, are fantastic. And you get in a car like, like even the, the Kia Fort and, and those types of cars, they're en- what would be entry-level cars, and they're offering near luxury levels of appointments. So um, like Larry said, I think it's the overall impression of the vehicle and the experience, and also what are your expectations for that car, and do they meet them or exceed them or or is, is there something lacking there? And I think that's where you start knocking some of them off the list when you kind of go, well, yeah, this is really a great car, but it's average for the, for the segment. 
Let's uh, start going through some of the, the very vehicles that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Let's concentrate on the three finalists, because I think we ought to dedicate the discussion to that. Maybe we can get into some of the others. So just so the audience knows, the three finalists out of the, what did we start out with? Uh, a list that was about? No, it was 40. 48 different vehicles. That included yeah. trucks and utilities. Right. But nonetheless, the Chevrolet Corvette, the Cadillac CTS, and the Mazda 3 emerged as the three finalists out of this big group. Let's start with the Chevrolet Corvette. It's just an incredible car. I mean, I love the thing. It, and it, it's always the, the great thing about the new Corvette is you don't have to give it the excuse anymore. It was always incredible performer for the price. It always ran like a train. You know, it could do things that 911s can't do and they cost 30 grand more. But the critical piece it was missing was that connection. Right? It tended to scare inexperienced drivers. If you found yourself on, not on a racetrack but on a back road, you couldn't really use the thing because it, it, it just felt just a little bit what I call disconnected. You weren't sure when you turned the wheel you were going to get this response you wanted. And nine times, actually ten times out of ten, it was always fine, but it put this doubt in the back of your mind. And um, that was its Achilles heels, and they fixed it. And it, the thing is just brilliant to drive in all environments and of course it looks fantastic have you guys seen it in white and black <laughs> the stormtrooper model <laughs> the stormtrooper model i oh haven't heard that God. terminology <laughs> incredible yeah so i love it yeah uh, what do you think matt uh, it's great to be listened to everybody complained about the interior on the car they really fixed it they fixed the seats they fixed the the quality of the materials and um the thing the car flatters you as a driver. It doesn't matter your skill level. You can go quickly in this car and not feel like um, you're going you're gonna to be caught out. And, and that's a tremendous uh, testament to it. Seven-speed manual transmission is great. They, they have the six-speed. The eight-speed's coming, but the six-speed uh, uh, works great with the car, too. So I was happy. I was riding with Tad uh, Jutner, who was the, the, the chief, chief engineer. And he was even kind of confessing to me that, oh, you know, I probably just get the base car with an automatic. That's how good that car is. You don't have to go to the Z51 to get incredible levels of performance. But what about that performance? I mean, the 0 to 16 under 4 seconds for the base car? Well, here's the amazing thing to me about it. It's, what, 440 horsepower and 400 and, what, pound-feet of torque. 60 with the Z51. And and that's where you get such a fast 0 to 60 speed. It's crazy. Cruising at 70 on the freeway, you can get about 30 miles to the gallon out of this car. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible intelligent engineering, right? It, it, that's what one thing I've always liked about that car was, you know, they didn't look at what sort of the uh, the trend or the the fad was in terms of technology. They just looked at what works right. And that big pushrod engine, which sounds inefficient and awful, actually turns out it has some huge advantages. One, just like you said, you don't have to spin the thing. You know, two, it fits in this tiny little small package, and that lets the Corvette have really terrific weight distribution and a low center of gravity and all these other cascading advantages that nobody else has. And so you, what you end up with is a very uniquely American sports car that now does everything that the Europeans do and does it better and for less money. I mean, could there be a better story for this year? The thing that I like about it, getting back to your point, is the interior. To me, that's always been the real downfall yeah. of the Corvette. Uh, not really well done. Uh, a year ago for Autoline After Hours, we went to the GM Design Center, you know, with your, mm-hmm. your cousin, Peter yeah, DeLorenzo. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of the things that Ed Welburn, the head of uh, 
GM Design talked about. They were going to fix the interior on yeah. the Corvette. Yeah. And boy, I, I think they delivered. It's got that, that great cut-and-sew, hand-stitched sure. kind of look to it that you expect on the more exotic, much more expensive European sports cars. Yeah, it's a, they did a terrific job with, with uh, inside and out. And the car is so striking when you see it on the street. That's the other thing. Um, I, you know, there were complaints about not having round taillights and some of the traditionalists. But, you know, once you see the car out in traffic, you kind of go, wow, I get it. Yeah, I like all the technology in the, in the cluster, right? You can, you can configure the thing anything you want. You can see these track pages. You can see, like, almost any bits of information you want tabulated, it'll do it for you. And it looks sharp and crisp, almost like it came out of Apple. And, um, you know, they're going to offer this thing. Um, aren't they going to offer some camera system coming up that people can? They do. They, they have a super high-performance yeah. monitoring thing. So as you do laps at a racetrack or whatever, you, you, you can log it. And you can go back and study and right. say, oh, I, I, I was braking too soon or getting on the gas too late or yeah. whatever it happens to but, be. But, but they're, they're realizing what's, what I'm finding so fascinating these days is the domestics are recognizing better than anybody that what do you want from these cars? You want an experience, right? And probably the first car that did that better than anything else was the Boss Mustang. Mm-hmm. wasn't the fastest thing. Everybody loved it. It sounded great. It smelled great. You know, it, it, it drove fantastically, and it delivered all these cues that you just wanted to drive it. Now we have this Corvette that does the same thing, and you have these other things that just, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it has to be fun. And I think they get that, which is great. What I love about the Corvette is how much new technology is, is in it. Technology that you don't find even on the most expensive supercars. So one thing that I find fascinating is they've got a thermocoupler in in the valve stems at each four wheels. And then they figured out the algorithms that said, ah, if this thermocoupler is at this temperature, then the outside diameter of the rubber is this temperature. So if you do a burnout, really light them up, the computer goes, aha, the rear tires are hotter than the front ergo they'll stick better so it instantly adjusts the front rear brake bias the traction control the stability control and the anti-lock brakes and uh they've told me that they've got the high-end european brands coming to them saying hey would you license this technology and now they're debating should we keep this as something totally unique no one else has or should we go make some money on the technology and and you know from from the front bumper to the back, there's all kinds of little examples of this new kind of technology they've put in the car. Yeah, I mean, it's a really fascinating overall effort. Did you hear about the memory alloy in the louvers in the back? No. Now, so, I knew that GM uh, R&D was working on that. Yeah, I think that's this, in this the back. the first uh, application. So when you shut the, the rear hatch and you have to displace all that air, which usually resists closing the hatch, they wanted to exhaust it. So it has this little... Um, I think, yeah, it is memory alloy. You put a current to it, it heats up, it changes something, opens these louvers, so the air has a place to go, and then you shut it and it stops. So I agree with you. A lot of those little details, obviously they really sweated that car, and there's a lot of heart in it. And, you know, it's interesting, too. Over the years, we've gotten to know the Corvette team, and it's largely the same guys. I mean, what I felt seeing the C7 versus the C6 and C5 was that somebody finally let them do what they wanted to do. I think they've always known what the car needed. And so uh, it's really quite rewarding to see them succeed and have that chance because, you know, the one thing when I, when I started in this business 20 years ago and, 
you know, uh, coming from the East, it was Detroit didn't have the knowledge of the Europeans or the Asians, and then come to meet all these guys, and they're brilliant. But the cars weren't so good. And so it always scratched my head, what well, was the disconnect? But it seems like that's removed now. Well, th- this to me is the real story about the turnaround in Detroit. Yeah. Four years ago, they're bankrupt or, you know, yeah. hemorrhaging money in the case of Ford. Now they're screaming ahead. We're talking about the coolest technology, the design. It's the same people. It's the same people. The same people. Yeah. And what it shows is top management prevented these these hardworking, true believers from really doing their magic and coming out with great product. Well, the, 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 the uh, proof in the pudding is the fact that two out of the three finalists in the, in the car are GM products or domestic products. So obviously they're getting things right. And, you know, it's, to Larry's point, somebody's letting them do it, and, and they're showing. So. Well, let's go to another car on the list because we've spent a lot of time on the Corvette. Matt, I'll come to you. The Mazda 3. I like it a lot. I I think in terms of an entry-level car, it has terrific style. This new um, uh, design philosophy that that, uh, Mazda has was also reflected in the Mazda 6, which was another uh, 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 on our short list. Uh, Looks great. The interior is terrific. And it's a fun car to drive. Again, it's engaging. So it's, it's, it's uh, beating your expectations for what a little entry-level four-door sedan or, or, or five-door hatchback should deliver. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I was, after hearing everybody really rave about it, I don't know if that raised my expectation. I was a little disappointed by it. I mean, I thought... Hmm. This is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. And I agree. It looks beautiful. It has a lot of the right details. But that class is so stacked these days. And I don't, yeah. I'm not sure you can define it in a one segment. Because, I, I mean, would you consider a Chevy Sonic um, in the same class? That Probably not. It's too small. But I no. kind of feel like they're playing in the same water, so to speak. So I feel like um, maybe part of it is just not peppy enough. Like the one with the stick shift, you can only get the stick shift in the low Horsepower engine, and I kept thinking, like, God, another forty horsepower would be awesome, yeah. <laughs> you know. But um, so it's still a great car, but for me, it wasn't uh, this awesome, great, fantastic, you know, winner. I have uh, what I call the hundred-yard test. I, I say when a car is really well done, within a hundred yards, you'll know it. Yeah, and I right. don't know what it is. I can't put my finger yeah. on it. it. It's it's just this this feel that wow, this thing is terrific, and that's. Before I got out of the parking lot, he, got it? when I was test driving yeah, okay. it, it was like, dang, this car is terrific. So, uh, and it's no one thing shines. It's the combination of it all. It, to me, it just, you know, it's like a, a great pair of boots or gloves or something that just seemed to fit right. Yeah, I get that in the Mazda 6 really clearly. I know exactly what you mean. You get in it, you drive a few, you're like, okay, there's something about this car. And, uh... The three has really close. It just seemed like compared to some of the other cars in that August group. Yeah, it, it was had really, really tough stiff for me. It wasn't. And, and the guys who are giving them a real run for the money are the Koreans. Yeah, they're doing a terrific job in that class, and then they also deliver the value. But that was the other thing too. Is I, I think uh, I, the pricing on the on the three was was really good. The one I had was really loaded, and it still came in in the mid in, in the mid twenties. So. Very competitive. By the way, did you notice there, I don't know if you played around with that infotainment system, and, um, you know, that's one thing we've been trying to uh, concentrate on more. So we've been playing with these a lot, and that Mazda system is so elegantly simple. I kind of wonder if they may have something. The way that the menu structure is and the way that 
you, it can't doesn't go infinitely around. It's I mean, very little simple but very smart things that make yeah. that car very usable. I, I like it because it's getting away from touch screens, and I'm you know I hate seeing fingerprints on a yeah. touch screen in a car. <laughs> you yeah. get the thing over the you know, and and they wisely stayed away from that, and they have a very simple little you know uh, 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 control in the middle, and it's intuitive to use and. I'm I'm a big believer in having uh, buttons and knobs. So and in fact, the industry is doing it. I think the industry yeah. recognized it went a step too far. And, yeah, and they're putting buttons and knobs back in. And I although, like you. Yeah. I love those little rotary joystick yeah, ones. They're great. Yeah, although I think Acura went the other way with the new MDX. Almost no buttons. Yeah, everything touchscreen and. Yeah, you know it doesn't work that well. It, it doesn't, and uh, Honda has shown it can be nimble. And within two <laughs> years, they'll have a fix for that. They'll put some buttons back in there. Okay, next car on the the list, uh, Cadillac CTS. Oh man, this is what's making our job. You know, great, great job. Love it, but tough, right? Because that CTS, especially that V Sport. I, I mean, I couldn't say enough good things about it. It looks fantastic. You know, it just it's got this sharpness to and precision to it. But it still rides well and is comfortable. And the interior, you know, to your point about what GM's doing interiors, I mean, this mix of materials and, and textures and shapes, I mean, it just it's out of the park, that car. I, can't, I love it. Yeah, to me, the technology really came across. They did a, uh, on the launch, they did a terrific um, uh, presentation on all the stuff that went on underneath the car because it, you know, it's it's uh, even though I think it's lighter than the previous car, but it's bigger, and things like scalloping the B pillar, uh, stamping, stampings, and using different thicknesses of steel, and rethinking the whole, uh, all these different components that look totally different from the ones that were on the car before. It it really in and out is an out of the box exercise. The other thing is the styling of the vehicle really. They, they had all three generations of the car. And I, I'll tell you, Ed Welburn's done a terrific job in evol- evolving the art and science to where it's now really mature, elegant, and it, not so much in your face anymore, but it, it, it still all hangs together because you can see where that philosophy comes from. Yeah. I think they've taken a big risk with this car. I, I'm like you guys. I, I'm knocked out no by the kidding. car. No kidding. But I think they've taken a big risk. Probably appropriate, but a risk nonetheless, because, you know, this used to be a car that was sort of positioned against the BMW 3 Series. Now it's head-to-head against the 5, and they raised the price along with it. So whereas with the first-generation CTS, you'd buy one in the low 30s, no problem. The test driver I had for my evaluation was $67,000. So that means they're going to leave a lot of CTS buyers behind with this big of a price jump. Now, they've got the ATS, which was our car of the year last year. But how well will the new one do being priced so much more than the model it replaced? Well, to your point exactly about about where it sat before, it really straddled between the 3 and the 5 because it was larger than a 3. Mm-hmm. So you could pay a 3-series price and get almost 5-series packaging. Now they're going head-to-head. But I think in terms of the performance and the quality of the materials and, and you look at you know what people are commanding for and in, in, you know, the prices that they're getting in that category – I think they'll be fine. I I don't think they're going to look at it as being their volume car. That's why they have the ATS now. They may not, but what do you think? Will BMW buyers be attracted to this car? This is such a great question in that segment, because what do people want in that segment? 
you know, they want functionality, they want performance, they want design, but really they probably want to show other people they have money. Right. And does a Cadillac convey that at this point? And, you know, I know they've taken the long game, and this car is brilliant, and it's going to change a lot of minds. Their challenge is going to be to get people to drive them. But um, I struggle with that because, let's take, for example, the Hyundai Genesis, right? You know, uh, did you want to be seen as buying smarter than the BMW guy because you got all the stuff but for 15 grand less? Or did you want to be seen as a guy who could afford the BMW? And I don't know where that is. I think they'll do pretty well with this car because it, it, it looks so fantastic. And I think the Europeans, are their eye have been off the ball a little bit. The cars are good all around, but they don't have that specialness to them that I think they need to have, especially at that price level, and this Cadillac does. They haven't had the kind of competition that Cadillac's going to put to them now. No, it's incredible. Would you have, would you have imagined this uh, five, ten years ago? Probably not. And the other thing I think that, that GM's doing really well are the simple things. Uh, I noticed it in the ATS and the CTS. Like They keep the dash low and small. And unobtrusive. So you have these terrific sight lines, you know, that art and science design language that they d- developed, right? You know where the ends of the fenders are. And it sounds so basic, but you guys know how few car companies are getting that right these days. Like the belt lines are getting so high, you're feeling more hemmed in. And, you know, here these comes around. I feel it's a great fresh of breath, breath of fresh air. <laughs> Excuse me. <Yeah. laughs> hey, look, um, as you guys know, there's a truck component to this award, too. We're going to shoot a whole nother show on who we think is the best truck out there. But uh, let me just tell the audience, the finalists for that are the Acura MDX, the Chevrolet Silverado, yet another GM product, and uh, help me out here, guys. The Jeep Cherokee. And the Jeep Cherokee. Yeah, how could I forget? So I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Which, what's going to be the, the truck of the year? Oh, I mean, I think the Silverado, the question is, does it deserve to be? I'd be curious to see, uh, Matt, what you thought about the whole group. I, I didn't find that there was one. Like with the cars, I knew I had three or four like easy finalists. Right. The trucks was a little It was trickier. a little bit of a struggle. But uh, I'm going to go with the Cherokee myself. Uh, I think there are some things in there like the nine-speed transmission. It was a car that uh, I think you have to warm up to the looks on. Yes, I, saw, I saw it a year ago, and I'm like going, uh, I don't know. But after I had a chance to drive it and see it out on, a, on the open road and experience it, uh, I liked the space. It was, it was roomy and comfortable, and yet it, 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 it's a real Jeep in terms of its off-road ability. Yeah, but what, I mean, it feels so big and ponderous. It's like yeah. well, there, it doesn't feel like there's any difference between that and a Grand Cherokee, which is a nicer, quieter car to me. Yeah. Well, but there's going to be a big price difference. I guess there'll be a price difference, price but difference. it seems to have grown. I mean, I hate to be one of those guys that just is in love with the old one for its basicness. Right. And, you know, but... A, yeah, it's a totally different vehicle from that. To original. me, it totally surprised me. I, I went it? in, I didn't like the looks of the car, I, I remembered the old one, and yeah. I thought, yeah, we'll see where this is. I was knocked out. It's another 100-yard car for me. And, you know, you're complaining that it's kind of like the Grand Cherokee. I think the people who buy the Cherokee are going to go, wow, I got all the, you know, the quietness, the suppleness, uh, three different all-wheel drive systems that you can choose from, the capability of taking it off-road for a lot less money. So I'll bet it does terrific. Hmm. I'll bet it does just terrific. So you think it's, where do you sit? Do you think it's more uh, deserving than the Silverado? No, because I was knocked out by the Acura MDX. (laughs) Oh, you were? I loved the MDX. I loved it. And I'll tell you why. Because that vehicle now rides 
like a mid-60s or 70s full-size American sedan. And no, don't go taking it off-road. Don't take it through a slalom. Just put your hand on the wheel, lean back, and enjoy the ride because that thing's comfortable. It's the combination of the foam in the seat back, the the connection of the body to the chassis, the suspension. I tell you, those guys at Honda nailed what a big American sedan used to feel like 30, 40 years ago. Well, that's such so tough to do because you could say the same thing about the Explorer and the Flex, but they they don't they feel almost too lazy. Right, you know, in this modern era, yeah, we should have both. Lazy. It but is. we should have both that Woodward frequency, yeah. and we should also have some precision at the yeah. same time. Right. This yeah. is why he's at Road and Track, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick, we're we're sort of getting down to the end, Matt. I'm going to start with you. Let's go back to the cars. Predictions. Predictions. What's going to win the North American Car Corvette. of the Year award? Corvette. Corvette. Yeah, it's it's a dramatic change, and then when you look at it against. Any other sports car, the value is there for the performance. It's just hands down. That's Larry? a lock. He's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Corvette. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, though. You said that um, you didn't like the Mazda 3 so much, so it would not have been one of your finalists. Can you say? Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's a great car. It's a terrific car. Just compared to some of the other finalists that, to me, are like these huge uh, knockouts. It wasn't to that level. And um, that segment is, is, and like I said, I don't know what exact segment. It, they probably have some ultra mid something premium half. Day. You know how they yeah, set yeah, yeah. things up? Um, to me, it swims in a huge, huge pond. And there's a lot of good cars. You know, the Focus, the Fiesta, the Sonic, you know. Speaking of the Fiesta, the ST version, the high-performance version, Ooh. came out this year. Yeah. That was my best 100-yard yeah. car. Yeah. I'm telling you, and it didn't make our list at all. Right. Yeah. And, in fact, they did some enhancements to the full Fiesta line. I guess none of us were able to get in and drive it, and that's probably a reason why it didn't make didn't the make list. It. But that ST, man, that was one of the true surprises uh, of all the new cars that had come out. Yeah. I think the other uh, interesting thing that happened in terms of my own voting is I had the tightest distribution of points. I had I, There were so many cars I wanted to give some points to that uh, normally you, you, you get one or two favorites and you give it like a 10 or an 8 or a 9. I didn't do that this year because I, I packed a bunch of you know uh, points right around four or five different cars because I couldn't make up my mind. Yeah, and we, we should just briefly explain to the audience, if you don't know, we each get 25 points and we have to... Vote all the points, and we can give no more than 10 points to any one car. So that forces it. But I'm like you. I, I've got points all over the map because there were so many good vehicles. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. Great discussion. Thank you. We'll know very shortly yeah. if we're right, if the Corvette won North American Car of the Year. But Matt DeLorenzo with Kelly Blue Book. Uh, Larry Webster from Road & Track. Really want to thank you guys for coming in and talking all about these cars. Thank you very much. And I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.